Hello, everybody, and welcome all thanks to LD Mobile. This is NBL Overtime. We've got a very special guest, but boys, you know what's happened. Hello to you, Liam. Hello to you, Homicide. Damn. I'm in a broom Don't closet. See. I'm in a broom <laughs> closet, right? I, I don't want to get into my day. I don't want to get into my week, but I am putting my foot down before the end of the show. So we're going to get to all that and plenty more. But firstly, more importantly, I'm not going to say it was the worst kept secret because I'm certain that the contract hadn't been signed, but we were getting excited. We were getting excited that Jock Lander was possibly going to play in the NBL, probably at Melbourne United, and it was announced. Jock, congratulations, my man. Welcome to the league. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it was, it's, about, it's about time. You know, I was, I was kind of on par with everyone else. There was like that initial excitement where people kind of started getting the idea that I might be playing with them. And I was like, yes, like this, this is finally, you know, everyone's catching on and it could actually happen. And then kind of like weeks went by and as weeks went by, I was just like, oh my God, like I'm as frustrated as everyone else. Like I just want this thing to get done. So it's, it feels good to finally have it all sorted. We had fingers crossed for just as basketball fans. You know, we watched you. We continue to watch you play all around the world. And we wanted you in our own backyard. And we just sort of waited and waited and waited. A little spoke about what you just mentioned there. But what's it like? What's it been the last five or six months? You mentioned waiting to try and get this done. But there's NBA aspirations. There was, of course, going back to Europe. What was it like in your life in the last five or six months trying to work out what jersey you're actually going to pull on on opening night? Frustrating. Uh, I mean, you could take it back to nine months when I first got back from from Europe. Like we were we were kind of on call for three months as to whether or not that season was going to start back up. So, like season finished, but we were still all working out, trying to stay ready. And I know the Americans, like a lot of them, tried to like they stayed there, but I was like, like screw that, I'm going home. I want to see my family and friends as quickly as possible. Uh, had the idea that it'd probably take off, and it looks like I kind of guessed right, but. Yeah, like it's it's been frustrating. Like, uh, you know, I put up, I put a lot of uh, like faith into the fact that the NBA would happen this off season, and I mean, for a very long time there, it it genuinely was going to happen. I mean, until the NBA said uh, European guys couldn't go over to you know play in the bubble and whatnot because they kind of opened things up to sign new players, and they made the rule that if you're in Europe, you couldn't go. Uh, that was kind of like a bit of a a bit of a gut punch just because we had like, like we had firm offers from three teams that said, Hey, if this thing opens up, like we're going to sign you to maybe like a two year deal, uh, guaranteed deal and, and go from there. So for that to all like kind of shut down, that was like the first lot of disappointment. And then, you know, obviously uh, I waited for this free agency, which was really like, that was a real anxious time. And, and when that finally fell through again, I was just like, this just keeps, keeps happening. Like it's, I don't know what else I can do, but, I think the best way that, that I've kind of started looking at it is like, I keep, I keep, you know, aiming for the stars and landing on the moon. So like I'm ambitious and I keep going for it and I'm going to continue to keep going for it. And if I don't ever make it, like I'm pretty happy with the legacy that I'm already leaving and I'm just going to keep going down that route. Jock, you spoke about um, the offers that were on the table heading into the bubble. Um, during this free agency period, uh, how close did things get? Things got down to a 24-hour period where uh, we, there was a certain team who said, oh, actually, there was two teams that said, okay, we we want to sign you. Everyone in the front offices signed off on it. And now we just need to run it through the president uh, or the owners or whatever. And 
they were like, we'll, we'll give you, uh, we'll give you an answer in 24 hours. So, uh, I was actually away with my girlfriend for one weekend and I got this answer and the whole weekend was ruined. I was just like so anxious waiting for a call or a text from my agent and it never came. So yeah, like we got, we got really close to like the point where that team didn't even end up signing anyone because, you know, they did massive extensions and it just, they kind of just ran out of money in a COVID year, I suppose. So uh it i also you know everyone knows that i've had a, a monumentous uh buyout attached to my name since my serbian muck up and um that's kind of what's been holding me back and continues to do so because you know there would have been up other opportunities uh had i not had that buyout and all those clauses in my contract that were kind of holding me back uh per the collective bargaining agreement so all of it all i've been able to shoot for is a guaranteed contract so now that United's done this fantastic job of finally like getting rid of all that and like a whole bunch of steps had to be taken to get rid of that. And like, I'm in a position where I can actually just go to the NBA if I want to go to the NBA, but um, you know, that's, that's a whole different conversation. So uh, finally I'm free of all those ties and, and it's a good feeling to kind of have options if I choose to take them. Now that um, the toughest part of your off season is behind you, so to speak. You here in Melbourne. How great does it feel to be on home soil um, this upcoming season playing for Melbourne United in the NBL? It's fantastic. Uh, these guys have done so much already. As I've said, they they brought me in with open arms. They kind of they put me through the ringer time and time again this off season and. Just playing with a team that's so connected and so so caring about their own has been massive, and I'm I'm so excited to have the opportunity to finally play for a club that like really invests in their players and you know does a whole bunch of stuff for the players. And I mean, for me, playing in the NBL is something that I've always dreamt of doing, just because like it's it's home, uh, especially you know being in my home city. I've got my friends and family around and. Uh, being able to do that for the first time in seven years is is something that's really special to me. And like now that the league's in a position where it's like actually like one of the best leagues in the world, it's like, okay, like why not try and take it a step further? So like that's always been a dream of mine is to come home and play in this league and see if I can further the interest and kind of the eyes on this league and and continue to, you know, maybe make changes or whatever might happen and, and, and further uh, further us in the best league in the world discussion, I suppose. So I'm really excited. Uh, you know, I, I know that uh, a lot of the a lot of the fans and and stuff are excited, and I think this is going to be a fantastic year. And to be honest with you, like in a COVID year, I think that the league's brought in even more talent than it had last year. So I feel as though this is going to be one of the best leagues, uh, best years in NBL history. There's a lot of talent in the league that I couldn't agree more with. But a lot of people are now going to suggest, and has been suggested, that you guys are the title favourites. Do you feel that pressure? No, uh, I think having played with these guys, uh, you know, we we play such an unselfish game and there's no there's no one option. So it's not like there's all this pressure that, hey, you've got to show up every single night for us to win. It's not like that at all. It's like every single night there's a different guy that could go off and score 40 or there could be a, on, on any given night we all score 15 and we win. So, Jock, um, you spoke about uh, the contract now freeing you of those ties. This is maybe a, a you know a difficult question because it's not really the, the, the PR message, but 
The reality is now with what's going on with the NBA this season, they're not playing in a bubble. Guys are going to be in quarantine and, and whatnot throughout the season. There's a reasonable chance you don't finish the season with Melbourne United, right? Um, who knows, mate? Uh, it's not really something that's on my mind. I think that uh, I was you know, speaking to my agent and stuff. It's got to be for me to leave midway through a season and and you know leave a program that I care so much about. It's I mean, it's got to be a fantastic situation that I'm going to. So I wouldn't. I, I don't think that I would go. You know, make a move out there for you know a, a contract that doesn't feel right. And I've been chasing this guaranteed stuff my whole career. Like it'd be a real shame for me to settle for anything less. So um, it, it depends. It depends on the timing. It depends on a lot of things, but. Right now, like I, I mean, we we've been playing, and I have, I'm having so much fun playing basketball right now. And like, there's you can't really put a price on happiness. And um, you know, playing with a team that is just like a, such a great group of blokes, like it's it's hard to beat that. And you know, a lot of these guys are, are good friends of mine, and I'm having a great time, kind of you know, competing against you know Joe and and you know bantering with Jack Jack White and. And all that kind of stuff. So, you know, playing with Chris and, and Mitch and Barlow was something that I was really looking forward to from the start, just given the like the time we've already spent together in the past with the boomers. And yeah, I mean, for me right now, that's that's not on the forefront of my mind as as opposed to, you know, the past two years where it's always been like, I just need to get to the NBA, I just need to get to the NBA. And it feels like it's a weight off my shoulders. And mm. just having played recently, I feel like I'm playing so much more freely and confidently, not having that added pressure of my mind being so focused on the NBA. And now I say that, uh, but at the same time, like it's it's something that I need to do and it's something that I really want to do and believe that I should be doing. Uh and you know, I know that one day that I'll get there. But right now, like I'm so locked in on what like the task at hand that it's 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 hard for me to see something getting in the way of that. But you know, it's it's all circumstantial, and we just got to see what happens. Here's what I think: the talent is there. This ought to be good. <laughs> the talent is there. We know this. Yes. The skill set is there. You know, you've been on radars and it's been circumstantial why, you know, you haven't gotten the contract situations. We know this. I personally believe that this is going to be a breakthrough year for you. Here's why. You're playing, as you know, already in a world-class league. The irony, the irony behind that is crazy because so many years you have known you want to play in the NBA. You deserve to be in the NBA. My best chance is playing high-level Europe, right? Yeah. And now you're in Melbourne United at home in the NBL that's going to have a breakthrough year and it's going to get you that multi-year deal that you want. How great does that feel? Like, like I'm, a, I'm a fan of speaking things into existence. That's just how I am, right? I've had a chance to see you play a little bit the time with the boomers here in Australia. Mm -hmm. And I remember interviewing the first time I was like, yo, I didn't even know you are like, you got game. So for you now to be, you know, and I know in the back of your head, it's like, I'm in Europe as an import. I'm here as a local. So, <laughs> you know, you've lived the import life, the life of uncertainty. Am I getting paid? Will this team fold? You, you've seen it all in Europe. Yep. But to be home, man, like that pressure has to be, you know, it has to feel great for that. And not like you can't handle it, but just the fact that you are on home soil about to break through a door to get you ultimately where you want to be. That has to be a great feeling, man. 
feels fantastic. And I think that there have been so many guys in recent years, uh, Jay Sean Tate, uh, you know, there's a couple of guys from Sydney who have gone to the NBA and signed multi-year deal, uh, deals. James Ennis, I think, played at Perth yeah. for a while. Like all those guys have just kind of been like in the back of my head is like, hey, I could I could really take a lot of pressure off myself and go home and play in a high-level league and still make that transition. So, um, you know, it's not like I'm coming into this league thinking, oh, I'm all high and mighty and, uh, you know, this is going to be easy breezy for me. Like I know there, there is a there is a list of centers in this league who are, who are elite and, you know, I want to tick off. So... Like I've got to, I've got to be willing to show up every night, and it's not just going to happen by me coasting it at sixty percent. Like I've got to play a, a hard game. I've got to show up every single night, and and that's something I pride myself on doing. So, yeah, no, I'm excited. I think all I, like all that stuff will take care of itself at the end of the day. If it's meant to happen, then it will. If not, as I said, like I feel as I'm already, you know, leaving a legacy behind that I'm I'm going to be super proud of one day, and. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where it's at. I think that um, you know this league is now it's now producing a lot of guys who are signing in the NBA, and you know there's guys like Nick Kaye who are going over to elite teams in in Europe. If if that's where I might go again one day, so yeah, it's uh, it's something that's not really stressing me out at all, and I'm just really enjoying playing basketball with a great great group of guys. Jock, you spoke about the uh, the, the great group of guys, and um, you mentioned Chris Golding. I can remember in the lead up to the uh, Boomers campaign, you guys were scrimmaging against Southeast Melbourne and uh, you launched a couple that didn't go down. And Chris was asking you if you were going to keep shooting. <laughs> you guys put some money on it. Uh, is he still yapping? He yaps. It's all Chris does. I, can't, I, don't, I don't think I've ever had a serious <laughs> conversation with Chris. All he does is he just comes in and he just gets after me. So... I mean, I, I love Chris. We, we have a great relationship and uh, he was a big influence uh, in me signing with, with Melbourne just because I knew how much fun we had. You know, we roomed at the World Cup together the whole time and that was just, it was just comical the entire time. So, uh, you know, for, for me, um, he he's he's a confidence booster, but he also holds me accountable and keeps me, keeps me grounded. And... Uh, that's always really good to have in someone. I mean, there's been times in practice where, you know, I might have been acting like a bit of a fool or something like that. And, and Chris has been like, hey, like, lock in, don't be an idiot. Let's let's practice and play hard and go to work. And so to have someone like that on the court, like it's one thing coming from a coach, but it's another thing coming from an equal who, who plays, you know, the same minutes as you do and he plays on the same team as you do. So when you have a guy like that kind of, acting as not a father figure because I never want to give Chris that credit but <laughs> you know having someone who just like holds you accountable and, and and tells you when when it's go time and when it's time to you know joke around and stuff uh I think he's got a real good grasp on that and it's it's great to have him around but yeah I won't be making bets with him again I think he can he can keep that that money that I gave him last time and move on <laughs> and are you coming for him now Absolutely. Oh my God. 100%. As soon as we play Illawarra, I'm telling coach, hey, I want to switch on to Emmett. 100%. Hard double. Because that, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> hey, congratulations, mate. And the way you've spoken about what has been an incredibly stressful five, six, seven, nine months, you finally know what jersey you're going to slip into. We can't wait for you uh, to go undefeated. And let's see, you know what? <laughs> hey, Liam oh, Sandemir is going to write that article the moment we're finished, my man. So congratulations. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Hi, peace. For anyone around the NBL who doesn't know what that man can do, I don't know what you've been doing, but if you don't, check this out.
chances of the extension outstanding. Little Jock Landale, hashtag NBL Overtime to get involved. And boys, we've been waiting and cautiously, not hinting towards it, but speaking around it. We know he's been training there for a little while. It was made official late last week. I'm going to start with you, Homicide, first, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, I believe, did you drop a tweet last week saying lock in the grand final, the Breakers and United on the back of this? 100%. I think this solidifies it. Um, With the addition of, look, man, Teams have done a great job recruiting this offseason, right? Cairns pretty much has their whole team back. With two imports, obviously, they couldn't get DJ. But with the situation that they, they've done an incredible job. New Zealand has done an incredible job. We were waiting to really see what Sydney, Perth, and United, right? The usual suspects, what they were going to do. United have been taking their time. And boom! Scotty Hobson. And then boom! Jock Landale? They don't even need to get another import right now. That's how stacked they are. And I believe that he, with his inside-outside presence at both ends of the court, that is the biggest pickup this offseason. And I believe that pickup will watch watch them walk into the grand final versus, versus, this is facts, and let's talk about it, versus New Zealand. What teams are better than that right now on paper? No teams. None. None. There's, but walking, that is a slow way to move. Mm. Walking. They're walking into it. They all, look, Melbourne United, due to their lineups, right? The the, the depth and experience. They've been in the finals the last three years, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Outside of them winning the championship, right? Mm. Have they had a stronger team than what they have right now? Outside of them winning the finals. Oh, outside of that season, no. There you go. Walking in. Yeah. I mean, hey, I feel you. If I'm looking at the, the teams right now with this signing, these signings that, that you just talked about, <laughs> I mean, it's Melbourne and New Zealand, and then there's a gap, right? When you're talking about tier one, tier two, and um, then you've got those other contenders there. Now, those teams could still become really good, right? We've seen that before. And um, you know, Perth and Sydney and um, Cairns, those guys are all within that mix. But but th- what Melbourne have done, and we flagged it, I'm going to say four or five months ago, not these players in particular, although we were talking about these two very early on, but what we were talking about is patience in this. And, and uh, Jock was talking about in this COVID year, we said, okay, you, you might need a pounce when the moment's right, like New Zealand did with Ty Webster, pounce, that guy's available, let's do it. Um, but the, there's teams are going to really benefit from slow playing here if they can. And Melbourne, with their resources, obviously, have the capability to do that. Dean Vickerman told us recently, we just waited. We waited and waited and waited and waited. And then when we felt like it was go time with Scotty Hobson, we got in the conversation and we got it done. And 
Scotty Hobson and Jock Lander, like the way that all fits together. I just love it for that team. And I, I don't know, I just get, Corey clearly does as well. There's something about constructing the roster. You know, you watch it happen piece mm-hmm. by piece and you go, okay, you've got this guy here, you got that guy there with those skill sets. In this spot, you need that. Bam, that's what they bring in. At the center spot now, you've got these pieces. Not only do you need a certain skill set, you need a certain personality in the locker room to mix with Golding and Hobson and how well that's going to work. And Landau really is perfect in that regard. So Melbourne United fans should be absolutely over the moon. The owners can go ahead and pay all that luxury tax. (laughs) Go ahead. You guys can do that. We'll come to the arena and support the team. And uh, they should be feeling fantastic. Sydney had a great year last year. We know the off-season. They've got a new head coach. Adam Ford's going to join us next. Hashtag NBL overtime to get involved. And, well, I flagged it and we are joined by the new head coach of the Sydney Kings, Adam Ford, joins us. Adam, as I welcome you in, firstly, congratulations. And secondly, when I say those actual words, head coach of the Sydney Kings, has it sunk in? Yeah, well, firstly, guys, thanks for having us. It's... um... Long-time listener, first-time caller, so uh, it's it's all very exciting. But uh, no, it's uh, obviously the basketball side of things feels like uh, normal and everything's the same there. But uh, obviously doing the interviews now is uh, a new and surreal feeling. So no, it definitely hasn't sunk in yet. What was the process like? Of course, we spoke a little bit about you know, Will Weaver and going back over to the US and him going through that process. And, and from what we were being told, is that things were staying relatively normal here with you in control. But did you have to re-interview for the job? Did you have to sit down and propose or pitch again? Or was it just a seamless sort of transition? How did it work behind the scenes? Yeah, no, um, I, I personally actually um, encouraged the idea of wanting to interview and go through the whole process. I wanted to feel like, um, it was something I had to work for again um, and also give uh, Paul Smith and Chris the peace of mind that um, I came in with uh, a vision and an idea and, and a, pa- a plan in place. So um, one of the first things I said was whatever they decide, um, I didn't want them to base their decision on uh, if it was something they felt like they had to do or they owed me, they didn't owe me anything. And so um, I went through a series of interviews. Um, I got grilled. I was put in the firing squad. I had some hypotheticals. I had a presentation and, you know, I, I feel like it came out the other end pretty unscathed and, and here we are now. So, yeah, it was all in all, I think it was about a three-week process. Um, but, um, yeah, here I am. Forty, congratulations, mate. I'm one of the many people around the league thrilled, thrilled for you. Is, uh, is becoming a head coach going to change you? Mate, I noticed the beard's a little bit shorter already. <laughs> Don't change. Yeah, um, definitely a few things, obviously. I mean, it's just been a big year in general like this year as well. Um, obviously, I know a lot of families have gone through some uh, tough times with COVID, um, but ours actually expanded. So I became a dad uh, in March, which was during the, the final series. And so that grew, made me grow up a little bit bit and obviously now the transition to head coach so I think naturally you gotta you have to change and evolve but um, one of the things I feel like which has helped me get to this position and what I probably learned from some of the, the coaches I've worked with in the past is you have to be yourself and you have to be genuine so um, I've done the last decade in the NBL being who I am um, and hopefully I've got the next 10 years being who I am as well so 
yeah, subtle change, like the beard would go back, but, uh, you know, everything else remains the same. Now, we don't want to see a clean shave and Adam Ford on opening night, man. So we want to see the beard. Yeah, no, I don't think you'll ever find a clean shave in Adam Ford. That's uh, <laughs> definitely in the past. <laughs> um, you've obviously coached along next to Trevor Gleason, won some championships up there. Um, you've coached next to Will Weaver, who's now obviously gone. What is going, going to be your style of play and what should we look forward to seeing from you and your team this year? Yeah, um, and it's a great question. I've thought about it a lot, um, especially in the last couple of years, um, thinking about what my identity would be as a coach, because obviously that's the impression that you leave with the players. Um, I sort of touched on it before where, again, I, I know you've got to be yourself. You've got to be genuine. So the group knows that I'm not coming in to be the next Will Weaver. Um, you know, I can reassure them I'm not going to be the next Trevor Gleason. It is a case of uh, finding that balance and, you know, the time I've done as an assistant coach, especially at Perth and Sydney, you have to wear different hats. So, you know, at Perth, I had to be a little bit more of the, the good cop to Trev's bad cop. And coming to Sydney, I got to play a little bit more of the bad cop to, to Will's good cop. So, um, you know, it'll be something in between. Um, I like a little bit of chippiness. I like a little bit of um, bully tactics, I guess, is the, the most the simplest way to pull it. Um, I like testing you know, the boundaries of, you know, what's legal and what's not legal, especially in playing basketball. And I feel like my education and my apprenticeship in the NBL, I feel like I can have a pretty good understanding of, you know, some of the areas we can look to um, uh, play in. So I know I'm, I'm waffling on a little bit now, but, I no, guess you're not. I, I like I what really I'm hearing. <laughs> Scott, Scott Butler just added no, you. you <laughs> I, I just got a notification, so it's probably not good. But um, um, yeah, I guess the, the the roundabout way is I I honestly don't know yet because I mean this is the first time now entering in this environment where you know I could make uh, some suggestions, but you know the buck always stops with the head coach, so. Now I am a head coach and I'm going to live and die by, you know, what game plan, what style of play we're going to put forth. So um, obviously a lot of what I do as well is going to be personnel based. Uh, we lose a, an amazing passer, big man in, in Bogues and, and JT obviously is, you know, you know, it was NBL first team. So with that, our lineup adjusts a little bit. And so will our style of play to cater to that. Um, but yeah, in terms of style, I, I, I hope I'd be able to uh, maintain a relative calmness of Will Weaver. But, you know, once once you're in the moment, I feel like sometimes passion is always going to creep forward a little bit. How, how did you find last week team camp? We see a lot of it on, on social media and pitching tents and, and everything that goes into it from a, uh, from a social media sense. How did you find it personally? Because you would have been on heaps of these but there's always someone else running it. Essentially, last week you were the guy. Did you find yourself having to check yourself and be like, "Oh, hang on a second, I'm the one who has to stand up and deliver the message here." Well, what was actually kind of cool was, um, you know, this has been something we've been planning for uh, during our extended off season. And Toby Banfield, who's our head of high performance here, um, he was the real architect behind it. So um, Luke Longley had a lot of say in it. Will was obviously head coach at the time. 
Um, but we sort of put this plan in place of the things that we wanted to achieve. And there was uh, an element to it where we wanted to build a team culture and a team identity. Um, and then also from the coaching perspective, we wanted to put a little bit more robustness within our lineup. You know, we wanted to make these guys have to um, feel it a little bit more. Um, and so they can come out the other end knowing that um, obviously if there's a potential talk of a hub, for example, that, you know, staying in a, a great hotel will be relatively easy knowing that we made these guys sleep outside for five days in gusty conditions out in regional New South Wales. So um, what was really amazing about it was even though um, when it came to the practice sessions that we ran, that was probably the only thing that I was actually in charge of. Um, we had some players that ran uh, player meetings who the coaches were not part of. And the stuff that came out of those play meetings, you can't, you can't force culture onto guys and there has to be a buy-in. And the fact that we had some real veteran leaders in this group with the additions of, you know, the younger players we brought in, the collective buy-in from all these guys to say, hey, this is what Sydney Kings is going to stand for. So, you know, that was another part that I really had no influence in, but I'm going to reap the benefits from knowing that these guys came out closer um but the schedule the way the the the, the camp took place again i gotta give massive uh, credit to toby banfield on that because um you know he had a vision and even sometimes you look at it and go you know these boys are going to get pretty ticked off about it and they sort of did and that's sort of what we wanted and we wanted them to have to come out the other end and recognize that not everything's going to go your way you know some of these guys have been entitled their entire lives where everything they've had done for them is because they've been real talented basketball players. Great. Now you're sleeping outside on the floor. Um, now you guys have got to carry this 20 kilo rope up a steep incline that goes four kilo, you know, kilometers straight up and they had to do it. And just to see them, you know, get out the other side of that was pretty remarkable. Forty, you spoke before about the, um, the pieces that you've lost from last season um, let's talk a little bit about the guys that you do have. What excites you about the roster that you get to work with in year one? Yeah, I guess I like how we're quite, um, you know, we've got some bigs that can defend guards and we got guards that can defend some bigs. And so in, in a game now where, you know, if you can switch on pick and rolls and still play that defensively very well, it's going to make you a pretty good defensive team. And so the fact that we've got guys like X and Craig with their length and athleticism to be able to defend multiple positions. Casper um, is still one of the best, you know, guard setting screens in the league. And, you know, he's pretty clever in the post and how he defends it. Um, then add to that, we have Jarrell Martin coming in now, you know, he becomes, um, you know, a real scoring target for us in that center position. Um, and obviously his Bogues was such a facilitator and, and a defensive presence, but, you know, our scoring had to come a little bit more from our backcourt. Um, whereas now I think there's an, an even spread where, um, you know, you got scoring bigs with, you know, uh, Jarrell Martin, but also Jordan Hunter's having a great sophomore year or he's having a great uh, off season with us now. And then we also add in this uh, youth element with DJ and Angus who are just going to be, absolute firecrackers in a sense of energy and volume scoring and getting up the lanes, especially, um, you know, Angus's athleticism and 
we've I think everyone forgets how much of a standout teenager he was, and he was unfortunate, obviously, to have some you know, pretty bad injuries. But I mean, this was a guy that was attending, you know, uh, Adidas camps and Nike camps that weren't available to every other Aussie kid and mm-hmm. the ones who've been there before were your Dante Eximus and your Ben Simmons. So, you know, he's, you know, I feel like some of these guys are going to make me look like a better coach than what I am just because they are so talented. And, you know, if you got the horses and you put them in the right place, you sort of let the magic happen. You mentioned that we know that's a little bit of a slightly different group, although there's some key components from last year. I, I think in sport around the world, some review a grand final loss. Others do not. It's a totally different situation because we know what happened last year and it's a different head coach. Have you at all broached the grand final and, and how that sort of happened and played out? You just left it. No, nah, we haven't. We haven't brought it up. It's one of those things where we're still very comfortable with our decision that we made and, and especially how the timeline of, you know, the world eventuated after it. Um, we had guys that wanted to get home and even myself at that time, uh, being from Perth um, and a partner who was, you know, had one month old, um, announcing Mark McGowan was talking about, you know, shutting down the borders. So, you know, we don't we don't really bring it up because it's a, it's a non-topic, I guess, for us. Um, we're very much looking forward to, you know, getting getting underway this season because it's been now you know going on nine months I feel like it or longer that uh, we've played our last game well you're getting underway Sunday you got the Hawks at two are you gonna be nervous when you look down you got Brian Goysian back in the league and he's been <laughs> around forever and he's the Boomers coach he's Hall of Famer he's a legend and you're coaching against him will you be nervous or will you save the real nurse for the, re- the regular season um, well, actually, we got a sneaky one. I guess it wasn't that advertised. We actually did a closed door one against Illawarra before the camp. Um, and how was it? It was, it was good. It was all NBL approved. It wasn't. I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble here. We had, we had. Hey, all you're the, right the head coach, stuff. mate. So if the club's in trouble, you're in trouble nowadays. Yeah, that's very much true. Um, I'm very aware. Of my actually, Smitty, the the owner, he told us that anything good that happens is because of Will. Anything bad is because of me. So um, they've made that very clear. But uh, no, it was um, it was actually kind of good to get a little bit of a dry run behind closed doors without prying eyes. And, and um, you know, we're able to obviously work on some things that we walked away from knowing that we need to fix. But uh, no, I guess the funny thing is, is that, you know, basketball is basketball. And I know I'm, I'm not trying to downplay it at all, but I feel more nervous about having to do know these things the interviews and and the talking rather than the actual basketball itself that's an environment i've always felt rather comfortable in well i'll tell you this if you want to uh get better at interviews now just talk to yourself in the shower and prepare your mind for questions that may be asked start with you know man you guys you know fumbled in the fourth what happened it will be easier for you to walk into these interviews and have the conversations. Or you guys on a 10-game win streak, it'll be easier and it'll come out much easier. Trust me. I talk to myself a lot. Oh, I I actually, uh, I went one step further. I actually hit up Liam last night trying to ask for a couple of sneaky questions in advance, but I got a a 20-minute car ride where I, I practiced this. I don't know if I actually... Talk to the side of me as I'm doing it. I I I just there you forward, go. But uh, how much did I give you, Forty? Gave me donuts, absolute <laughs> donuts. <laughs> well, you know what? You still nailed it. So that's all that matters, man. You've been great. Congratulations. I think Liam spoke earlier. There's not one person in the whole league associated with the league or knows you at any time in your basketball journey 
who doesn't think this is a great appointment and unhappy for you, mate. So good luck. There is no doubt at some point uh, these two will be analytical about your performances and uh, how the okay. Kings are going. But look forward to chatting to you about it as you get deep into your NBL career, mate, as head coach. No, I hope so. I appreciate it. Thanks again. And um, like I said, I'll get better at this as uh, time goes on. Absolutely. <laughs> Good luck, man. Good luck. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Now found Bridges. Open look. LaMelo. Got the game right there. And then Miles says, okay, you give it to me. I'm going to return the favor. A nice sleeve. Yeah. I'll see you. LaMelo ahead of the pack. He's got McDaniel. Yeah. Pass in the left hand. The Hornets commit the turnover. Boy, I was going to have fun playing with him all year. Here's Levine working inside against the young Jay Sean Tate. Robbins, that ball. Lobbed it up there. The Boclo, no, but Tate is there for the ricochet. Nice fake. Got both marketing and big that has a perimeter shot. You know, think yeah, of he does. Omari Spellman, you know, type. That they you know, every team wants to have one of those guys as Hampton. Brings that in. Hashtag NBL overtime. And that, of course, a little NBA preseason action as we get closer to the uh, NBA season, kicking off in only just over a week, which is remarkable. But LaMelo, RJ, our man JT, of course, Josh Green, we're talking Australians of all grace the courts in the last couple of days. I hit to you, Liam Santa Maria. What have you made of it? Let's let's start with LaMelo Ball because uh, he came in and from a highlight perspective, there were some really nice times. For sure. Great to see these guys out there and uh, they've got their NBA jerseys on and they're dusting off, well, not dusting off those cobwebs, but they're, they're working off those nerves, right? Getting those first um, reps uh, under their belt. And uh, yeah, LaMelo did his thing. I mean, he's just so natural and comfortable on any basketball floor in the world. And that was clear to see from the moment he checked into the game and um, his playmaking and his passing skills on display, the, the strengths and the weaknesses, right? He was, he was um, unable to get a bucket in his first game, put 10 points on the board today in his second game. And he's got to be, uh, you can just see the joy that he's playing with and it's contagious amongst his team. And um, I think he'd be, he'd be wrapped with the way He's, uh, he's rolling and he's clearly, you know, just has taken two preseason games and he's spread the message, made the statement that the Hornets are must-watch TV. They're the league pass team of the NBA this season. Got to, got to love two homicide when he nailed you. Liam spoke about it before, nails that first three, which was his first points. A uh, little spin to the Raptors bench as well. So I'm assuming they were giving a little advice uh, about his jump shot and when it went down. So his confidence is back to where we seen a fair bit of it last year in the NBL. No, definitely. You know, at the end of the day, we know this. He has strengths, he has weaknesses. And, you know, he's going to have to show he can knock that three down consistently for them to play him. So it's good to see early in this young journey in the NBA that, you know, he was knocking those down. He's going to have to show that he can consistently do it and he'll be fine. RJ Hampton, Liam, probably spot minutes or limited minutes compared to LaMelo Ball. It's actually not dissimilar, I guess, to the NBL situation where LaMelo came into a team that wasn't as strong on paper compared to where RJ went. But in a depth chart, he's a little further down because they're going to be good. He's a long way down. Yeah, because that's a, that's a playoff team, 100%. And um, they've even brought in more talent in that, uh, in that position with Campazzo. So... Uh, yeah, he's, he got out there. He got his first NBA bucket, his first NBA preseason minutes. And uh, 
that must have felt good. And yeah, he's not going to get a lot of tick, but you know, he needs to work hard, put on some size and, and, and develop his game. But you know, the guy who really jumped off the page with his first preseason game was Jay Sean Tate. Starter. He was sensational. Got, has really impressed at training camp. Steven Silas, obviously making those comments saying he's just been terrific out there on the floor and comes out, gets the start, plays, what, like 18 minutes or so, a couple of buckets, a couple of boards, but had a big impact. Steals, hustle, he's on the hardwood. And he, I think he's established himself as kind of like a, a PJ Tucker type of guy. Like I might not fill the box score, but I'm going to help you win. And uh, that's a terrific way to approach preseason and just brings all kinds of energy. Homicide, we spoke about this. He's contagious. When we had him on NBL Overtime recently, his smile's contagious. His energy's contagious. His excitement of which he plays with is contagious. And exactly all those things, be it with us or with the Sydney Kings, just translates onto the next stage. And you could see that. Yeah, um, extremely happy for all three of them. But Sean Tate, specifically, uh, he always wanted this opportunity to show and prove. So when you get the actual opportunity, it's on you to ball out and we know what he can do. So to do these things or to have a chance to do these things on the elite level, you know, he's only going to get better. We know this. We had the privilege of seeing him play for a full season. We know what he can do. They're about to find out what he can do. You know, what's been a little bit of a shame is the absence of Will Magne mm. at New Orleans. Um, hasn't been at training camp, hasn't been involved in these first couple of preseason games because hasn't been over there. Mm. Uh, there's been some kind of visa things, hurdles to jump and whatnot. And um, so that puts him a little bit behind the eight ball, which is a shame. But you know, we look forward to his arrival in, in New Orleans and he can get everything underway. All right. Yo, the hard part. Sorry, Kim. <laughs> look. The hard part is done. Getting on, getting signed. <laughs> it's gonna be fine. I know, but you know, like you know what happens. I mean, the first. I mean, I've never been at an NBA training camp, right? But I've been at Yet. an NBA one, and you know what happens. Like the coach sets a couple of non-negotiables, and then when people step over that line, he comes in strong and he sends right. that message. Well, Will's not gonna, not gonna, <laughs> not gonna come in and he's gonna make those mistakes. And he's Stan Van Gunny's gonna be up his <laughs> short. Just block a couple of shots. Just throw a couple of shots out of bounds, and then that slightly changes. Yes, hey, <laughs> talking visas and government, we've been sort of sitting around for almost a year now, waiting for the uh, citizenship for Bryce Cotton. Homicide, you you said to us, I reckon three months ago, it's happening. It's happening. Well, Craig O'Donoghue's written an article over in the West in the last, I think, the last 24 hours. I've at least come across it just very recently. And the very fact is that, again, now have been endorsed by Basketball Australia previously, and again, they've gone to the, uh, the federal government, the Australian government, and said how important it is to get Bryce Cotton, both from a boomer's perspective and the Perth Wildcats hanging on that as well. Uh, homicide, are you still as confident as you were a couple of months ago? 100%. And if I'm the Wildcats, which I'm not, but if I'm front office of the Wildcats, I'm leaning on every friend of the program at every high level to ensure this gets across. And I'm starting with, he'd be great for the boomers. Man, <laughs> <they're gone. laughs> Man that means he's going to help Australia. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm starting with that first and foremost. Then I'm talking about 
the you know Perth Wildcats. Right. But let's start with the Boomers. <laughs> I, I know it. I know it sounds ridiculous, but the the Wildcats are kindly the the periphery that are going to benefit greatly from this. I, I'm I'm with you, Homicide. I, oh, I think yeah. that's well, where they've gone. And Troy George is and Trevor <laughs> loving what that that like, Don't worry about the Wildcats. That, don't even worry about yeah. us. Let's just get it done so we can be a part of the boomers. And if we benefit, yeah. If if we save over a million dollars of luxury <laughs> tax as a result, because we can slide him into a marquee player spot, well, that's fine by us. You know, <sighs> we may not even get another import if cotton becomes a natural. Probably even won't. You know what? 24 hours later, there'll be a stud in a jersey. To Miles Plumley. Yo, quietly, quietly. So I check Miles Plumley's Instagram because I'm pretty sure he's still in his country. Mm. He hasn't posted since like the championship or something like that. And I'm pretty sure there's reason behind that. Yeah, well, he's just so I know he's around here somewhere. He's just laying <laughs> low because he's had a lot on and he's just like, you know, I'm just doing my thing. I don't, you know, he might be oh, a man. I tell oh, you what, man. They need it. They need they it to come through. They want to think that they're the biggest. I think they're the biggest story coming into this season because they're going for the three-peat. Yeah. New Zealand, Sydney, this Perth Wildcats organization have never done it and they won't do it mm -hmm. unless Bryce Cotton becomes an Aussie. Agreed. Thanks. Hashtag NBL over time to get involved. Liam, any, anything for us before we get out of here? Preseason. NBL preseason. Forget NBA preseason. Let's, we've got some preseason games. We're going to tick it off tonight in WA. The Wildcats fans are going to get a look at their squad. We're going to get a look at John Mooney. We're going to get a look at Tyler Harvey and Justin Simon, Ding Adele. Let's go. I'm, I'm excited for the Hawks because they, if nothing else, need the first hit out with these preseason games. So why not play against the biggest two franchises, historically at least? And that's who they're going against this weekend. So good luck to them. They can hey, test last... the, the height of the competition. Hey, Jared Besto as well, Liam. We're going to get to see him, of course, sign on the on the back of Majuk Majuk and that injury a couple of months ago. So Jared Besto signs of the Wildcats as well. Do you expect him to have much of an impact this year? Uh, no, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, but they're looking, I wrote the other day, they're looking for large, warm bodies. And they're scouring the world. And uh, look, he's a big, strong boy. And uh, you know, if they if they need insurance at the end of the bench there in the in the big man stocks, but they've got a big big hole to fill up front there with one last roster spot to go. Anything uh, homicide before I make an announcement? No, you can make your announcement. I'm just going to hold off until round one to act. Probably round two, I'll start. But just I'm 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 good right now. About a month from now. You got something? Have you brewing? No. Hmm. I mean, you said if I have anything else okay. regarding okay. that. So I'm not going to touch that. Oh, okay. Okay. Wildcats actually finish up doing. Yeah. Now, as you two know, because we work together a lot, and for people who know me, I'm a strange unit. All right. Like, but I, I'm very, very, <laughs> very bad. But this is, I have ended up in a broom closet today. I've just been on the road. Normally, is everything I'm at okay. You, Everything's fine. Adam Ford thought maybe this was a hostage situation. <laughs> when he popped up and he's, he was nervous, he thought it was just me and him going, taking Liam Neeson style. I said, calm down. I, uh, so I put my foot down because work is, I've got a lot on. I put my foot down. 
I'm getting us back in the NBL time, uh, NBL overtime studio from next week. So no more broom closet today. I've been trying to pick oh. a course of 20, 20 years, but I've ended up in a broom closet. I'm like, you know what? NBL overtime needs to be back in the studio, us back together, and the broom closet has delivered. So there we go. I can We're drink my snake pit lager. What is that? Oh, I can I can drink my snake pit lager now. Yes. Oh yes. my god. You can drink uh, it. We are back in the studio <laughs> next week. Yes. All together. Oh man. Fellas, great job. We've held it down. You know, we, we, however we had to from the confines of our home, homes, and I am so glad we're back in the studio. You know, as you know, guys, I'm a betting guy. There is, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, doesn't matter what odds. We haven't missed a show. There's been no basketball on. There's been no mm. summer league. There's been no NBA, really. A great deal for us to lean a little bit on with Australians or Kiwis going over and, and giving it a crack in Vegas. We have not missed a show. In fact, we did a couple of extra shows when some things happened. So that's a credit to you two and to Guy Neville out the back. It's, it's been weirdly fun, but I'm looking forward to being back in the same room. Definitely, man. Look, we love our fans, man. We want to keep the fans, give them some information. And it's very important that they understand that. We love you guys and we appreciate you guys. We love your fans too. Hashtag <laughs> NBL Overtime. We are out of here next week. Back together. See you then. Peace. Peace.